This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Are you ready to be fucked, man? Providing insight. It kind of sounds like some kind of howler monkey. Commentary. It's a vaginal lead-up. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. And now, Gutterball. First off, right off the bat, I've been admonished to give a shout out. Already I'm regretting this decision. Damn it. My mother. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. My mother is an ardent listener of this podcast. Hello, Christine. Not to be confused with Christine the Playbill, mind you. No, this is a different Christine. We have multiple Christines that listen. That's how fucking awesome we are. But uh, so many people listen to this that we actually have repeats in some of the names. We're gonna have to start giving them like initials for their last names. You know, when I was in, this was I'm gonna say fourth through sixth grade. Now, keep in mind, when I went to school, it was a school that was preschool through 12th grade. There were like 300 people in the entire school. I I enjoyed a fairly prestigious, some people say say prestigious, some people say prestigious. I'll say prestigious because it sounds more prestigious, but I enjoyed a pretty prestigious position as the only Adam in the entire school. Mm. Fourth grade rolls around Mrs. Hoffman's class. She may have been a Ms. Hoffman, actually, now that I think about it. In fact, now that I think about it, she was definitely a Ms. Hoffman. That's neither here nor there. Another Adam rolls up into the school. Boy, my, you know, the hackles go up. It's like, shit, man. You know, there's Johns out the wazoo. There's like, you know, there's Kristen's uh, and any variation of that name all over the place. There's uh, Seths. There's like 48 Seths. There's a ton of Abrahams. You know, it's a Christian school. Maybe not Abrahams. There's Job's. There were like 17 Job's. No Adams, though. It's like you got to have a certain amount of hubris to name your kid Adam, the first man. Like you got to be pretty cocksure yourself to go lay in that. Like that's a name where I come from. Nobody would self apply. I hated that name growing up. Have we talked about this? How much I hated that name, Brad? I don't know if we have. Perhaps I, that's why you longed for the Seth. I longed for the Seth. I, I used to fantasize. Well, I didn't really long for the Seth because the other Seths were such turds. But I wanted to be like like a John. John felt good. Like, you know, or a Joss, perhaps. Those all felt pretty good. You know, pretty standard. Nothing to, you know, people don't all. They're not all like, oh, you must feel pretty fancy about yourself. Your name's Adam. 
Yeah. Well, I would say I have a similar experience with Brad. Really with Brad? Brad's there's a Brad that lives literally right next to me, the house right next to me. I just lent him a hammer action drill last night. There's Brad's everywhere. See, maybe I'm just I maybe I just can't see it that way. I feel well, well I would never say Brad is an odd name or a like super rare name. It's not it's not a John, it's not a Mike, it's not a anything else like that. But Steve. Steve, right. yeah. I mean, and it is, and I feel like you talked about the pretension, right? I felt no offense, like Brad Steven. is like the, uh, you know, and again, I'm growing up in the 80s, like Brad was like the stereotypical country club bully type Oh, name. that's what kind of name that was back then? Not not those, Brad. Oh, oh, I'm having the escargot today. Why don't you today. wrap a sweater around your neck? Exactly, exactly. Huh. I felt like the name kind of had that connotation, even though, I mean, I think there was, was it Goonies maybe that the bad, like the, like the, the rich um, bully character might have been named Brad? One of those movies Wait, he was named was Brad. Wait, who was the rich bully character in, I don't remember this. There was there was like a group of like because you know like the rich people wanted to tear down the. You're not talking about Brad Gerald, stage technician, are you? Who worked on that no, movie? No. Uh, obviously, he doesn't do shit. So we know him very yeah. well. No, I didn't Google but, that at all. Yeah, it may or may not be Goonies. No, there's no, there's no Brad there. There's only a stage technician. Okay. Oh, wait, Bill Bill Bradley, the basketball. No, I mean it would player? be a character's name, not a actor's name. Yeah, the only character's name. And it was it was an actor's name. It was Bill Bradley, the uh, okay. former governor of New York, who played for the Knicks. I don't right. think that's who you're talking about. No, I'm not talking about him. But because uh, you know your basketball shit pretty much forwards and backwards. Pretty, I know it pretty well. Pretty well. Pretty well. The uh, you are seven feet tall, after all. Yes. And sometimes Ho- masquerade as a clown, as we called it. <laughs> The uh, but there was no well, there were. I went to a situation, there were no Brads in my school. Um, all similar situation, there's no Adams hanging around. You got to be a pretty cocky asshole to name your kid Adam. Yeah, I'm saying the same thing. There was eventually a Brad in junior high school. Oh, you and that guy, Mm. and you probably looked out, out at the corner of your eye at that guy once in a while. I mean, I think he was, I mean, he was just, uh, yeah, he was much more in the mold of like the sweater over your shoulders type of Brad too. Mm. He lived up to his name. Collar up, all of that. Yeah, collar was definitely up. I wore my collar up once in a while. I tried it out. It didn't, it, it wasn't a good fit, but I tried it for a little while. Yeah, I put that up. I will wear my collar up on my giant winter jackets. A la James Kirk in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and his, like, badass jacket with the huge-ass collar up I'd, that he wears. I'd argue that... When he that, beams over to regular station and then eventually down well, I'd to the Genesis Well, I'd argue cave. there's a very different reason that you and he are doing that, and he's doing it to look fucking awesome and look like a badass, and you were doing it yeah. to prevent well, yourself from... your neck from freezing. Yeah. He was doing it on his like polo shirt or whatever, right? Right, and you were doing it so you didn't get hypothermia. No, am I wrong? Am I wrong? 
No, you're not wrong. Right, so very different. Come on. Because Kirk's kind of a... He's kind of cocky. He is cocky. Kirk was doing it cocky. I thought I was being cocky, but really I was just being a big nerd. You were being utilitarian, I would argue. But Anyway, fourth grade. All of a sudden another Adam rolls up into the school. And this poor bugger... You know, I'd been there since kindergarten, so I'm like, what's that? One, two, three, I gotta count, I'm using my fingers, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth. So I've been there four years now, and this poor bastard rolls up in. I'm Adam, and he's Adam A. <laughs> that, nice. That made me feel pretty good about myself, and it's like, I didn't even really initiate it. It was just like, hey Adam, oh, and Adam A. Adam, Adam A. So his last name was Achenbach. I ended up being friends with him. He's actually all right. Slept over a couple of times. He was fine. There you go. He was okay at basketball, so I gave him a little check mark for that. Anyway, this I wasn't talking about Christine the Playbill, CP. This is a, a CW, not a CP. She wanted to make sure that I said how much she enjoys this podcast and that there was a time, I don't know if you remember this, I'm sure that you do, you took a fantastic picture of me videographing where there was a an event, a, sort of like a communal, um, communal musical crafty event. Yes, that, yeah. That I all happened... The- and and we had this this um this sprawling i guess it was supposed to be more of a snack i think it was at a chili's yes it was it's like 20 people 25 people children adults just a a ramshackle sprawling event and people are just spread parents aren't near their children it's just like people are yes. everywhere it's just like a Lord of the Flies scenario. And I, I guess the the idea was that it was supposed to be just like a little a breather. Grab yourself a little a beer or a soda or whatever you're going to drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, move on, go to the next thing. But then <laughs> so, <laughs> my my daughter, who was, I guess she was four at the time, and she was 20 feet away down at the other end of the table... We had no idea what was going on down there, and everybody ordered their drinks and maybe like some cheese fries or something to share among three people. Right. A couple apps. A couple apps for six or eight people to share. You know, you'd have an app every three feet, and people kind of dig in there. We get our beer and our app that's three feet away, and we look down, and the waitress is coming over and like, setting this plate down in front of our four-year-old child that is an entire rack of ribs. My baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby. It was... Bam. Yeah. Well, I think it was it was like some kind of rib platter. Like, it had ribs. And fries. And fries. Probably and mac like and cheese. Corn on the cob. <laughs> and, like chicken fried steak on the side like it was this huge like five course meal and a little like 
like slurpy sized drink container of collard greens that you'd slurp up through a giant straw. And she ate like half that shit, but she wasn't going to share it with anybody, even though my mom, her grandmother, was sitting right next to her. And she proceeded to eat all of the chicken fried steak, all of the gravy, took the straw out of the collard green Slurpee, slurped up all of the gravy, ate all the ribs. Meanwhile, my mom's sitting there. It's like, oh, apparently this is a meal and I'm going to have no problem here. I'll eat whatever she doesn't eat and then we'll still have like most of it left over. But she didn't. She was like a little four-year-old vacuum human. Vacuum. Vacuuming? Does that work? That works. Vacuuming. Vacuuming. And then all of a sudden there's no food left and my mom's, they're all hungry. Because I guess the apps were like three feet on either side so she didn't get any of those. Thinking that she's going to have this meal. Didn't have any of that. The little four-year-old asshole ate all of it. So Christine the Playbill was sitting next to her on the other side and got like a veggie burger and saw what was happening, and cut it in half, and said, you eat this half of it, because you're hungry. And ever since then, Christine, not to be confused with Christine the Playbill, has had a very soft spot in her heart for Christine the Playbill. So I I was told to relate that story, and I've done that now. Well, Christine the Playbill is also a regular listener. And a caring. So this podcast is now a way for the two Christines to communicate. <laughs> this this with is the world listening in. This is their proxy, if you will. Anyway, I've done my due diligence on that front, so I believe I believe we can move on from that. Not sure unless there's anything else you want to relate about, but I think we're good there. I think we're good. I did my duty. It's enough. I do have a picture somewhere. There's a, a videographing picture. There's the videographing picture. I also have a picture of your daughter. With the ribs? With with the... You can't really tell what's on the plate, but she kind of has like the rib <laughs> stuff all around the her mouth. The rib mouth, yeah. Everybody sitting gets Sitting there at, at the restaurant, yeah. <laughs> all smiles. Lord almighty. I'll, I'll dig that up for you. Later on. She's 11 now, not four. Yes. 11. Ouch. Goes quickly. The days go slow, but the years go fast, Bradley. Oh, Lord. Where, how do we, are we going to start? Do we start now? Let's start. Okay. Well, I'm supposed to do a, I'm supposed to relate a story about um, my mom at Chili's. We already did that, though. So. We did that. We can move on to point two. Well, do we want to start talking about the minute? Talk about Lebowski? Well, should we... Do you think we should play the minute before we start talking about it? Let's do it. Okay. Fire it up. Bam! Bill, he's a good man. And thorough. Uh, that, that, that's thoughtful, but... Please see him, Jeffrey. He's a good man. And thorough. Oh, uh, all right. So he says, my wife's a pain in the ass. She's always busting my friggin' agates. My daughter's married to a Jadrul loser bastard. I got a rash so bad on my ass, I can't even sit down. 
You know me, I can't complain. Oh, fucking A, man. I got a rash, man. Fucking A. I gotta tell you, Tom, man. Earlier today, I was really feeling shitty, man. Really down in the dumps. Lost a little money. Hey, you know what? Forget about it, huh? Forget about it. Yeah, fuck it, man. Can't be worried about that shit. Life goes on, man. Uh, home sweet home, Mr. Rell. Hey, yo. Who's your friend in a Volkswagen? Huh? Now we can go. Yep. So, <clears throat> I don't know where to start. Dom Herrera, like, he always, he's one of the people. This movie, The Big Lebowski is kind of like fear and loathing in that you forget how many people are in it. Like, Dom Herrera is in The Big Lebowski? I always forget that. Yeah. And yet, he doesn't get associated with the movie. Not at all. Unfortunately. Not at all. He's great, though. I think he's great in it. And I remember the first time watching it, I just had this... I don't think I... If you would have, like, put a gun to my head and said, who is that? I don't think I would have been able to come out with his name. Like, spit his name out. But I'm like, oh, I know that guy. But in researching this minute, I did a little, a little, uh, you know, cursory Wikipedia IMDB shit, and it's like, Jesus, poor guy, like, looking through his filmography, like, this is probably, it's gotta be the thing he would be known for the best. I mean, talk about, talk about, like, an unremarkable... Film history. Well, film history, but I mean, he's primarily... A stand-up? A, a comedian, right. Yeah, I mean, we all know who he is. Well, right, but I, I couldn't have come out with his name. Even if you're not sure what his name is, you see him and it's like, yeah, that guy. Meanwhile, P.S. Hoff, moment of silence. He went on from, like, character actor to playing lead roles and... Being like the Lord of Cinema. Right. He went on to be greatest actor of his generation. And yet this small part is in some ways what he's known for the most. And his part is only nominally bigger than Dom Herrera's part. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say known for the most, but it's definitely... Um, you know, with his passing, Rolling Stone republished the interview with him, which we should include in the, the notes. And, you know, and it's an interview with him in 2008 on the occasion of the 20th anniversary of Big Lebowski. And he said this is the movie, you know, that he gets stopped on the street the most about. Well, just He'll like, be like, hey, it's Brant. Hmm. Just like Jeff Bridges. Like you said, no, well, nobody, like, yells out, like, hey, Tron. Exactly. So it is, uh, well, again, it's just a testament to this film. It's changed so many lives. Other movies are good, but they don't change your life. You know, you're being deliberately, like, dramatic, but it's true. I'm being dramatic, but true. Traumatic. You're being traumatic. That's my talent as I combine two words to make a new word. 
you've done that. You've done that. Uh, it's twice you, now. You've done it in previous episodes also. <laughs> you have a track record. And again, it's like The Simpsons, the B-flats. It, it seems clever and amusing at first until, you know, the more you think about it, it just is stupid. Well, the Beatles, right? That's stupid. Stupid. Same thing. But you don't think about it. Don't think. Speaking of the Beatles, it was not to like timestamp this episode or anything, but it was recently the fiftieth anniversary of their appearance on Ed Sullivan. Yes. Now I didn't watch the whole thing because I was too busy watching like True Detective. I think which was more important to me. But I guess like Jeff Bridges introduced either them or some song. Christine, not the playbill, told me this because she watched the whole thing. Like introduced it in the modern day when they re-aired it is what you're saying. Yes, yes. Like a couple of days ago, he was up on stage and was like, hi, I'm Jeff Bridges. Remember 50 years ago? Here they are again, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's all. Well, he has the musical gravitas to do something like that. I guess why, from Crazy Heart? That's exactly why. Hmm. That's exactly why. And he's the dude. See, I think it's more that he's the dude than he has the musical gravitas to do that. Well, he, he's the full package, right? Musical gravitas. I guess I was just, the dude. I don't see because Tron the, <laughs> has it all. Uh, yeah. Is it because he embraced this this sort of like counterculture stoner drug-addled ideal that the Beatles were wrapped up in for a while? That he got to be there. I can't think that it's either the dude nor. Crazy Heart, alone, or together, that would allow him to be up on stage and introduce them. Maybe it's his, is it his Hyundai? Hyundai commercials? Hyundai commercials? He does a lot of car commercials now. He's everywhere. But it's, it's, it's not that he's the dude, or that he was in a movie about music. He must be some sort of cultural icon. Somehow. Well, if he can sell the cars, right? It's a voice America can trust. Well, yeah, but Kevin Spacey sells cars. And yet he's, house of cards notwithstanding, he's less and less a voice that America can trust. But they could go head-to-head on, like, car commercial tallies. Could you, ever, you ever heard how many car commercials Kevin Spacey's in? Can't say that I have. You got. I don't see a whole lot of commercials. Well, neither do I. But I see commercials on Hulu. That's about it. I watch sporting events. That's when I see car see, commercials. So you have more connection to these commercials, right? Because you don't, you don't see commercials in HBO programming. I don't think. I don't think they have. Com- no, they don't have commercials. No, they do not. No, they just go. Yeah. But yeah, every time I turn on the TV, I hear Jeff Bridges and Kevin Spacey, and it's like they're in some sort of like commercial off, like a like a VO off. Yeah. Well, and I feel like somehow that has become 
I think I feel like maybe twenty years ago there was like taboo. Yeah, no, like you, you didn't want to oh, like you sucked if you were on TV at all. Yeah, like I'm a movie star. I'm not doing any of that now. TV is almost where it's at. Right. It's like, what do you mean you don't do TV? That has the media roles. You get strangely enough. Right. And like you get one job every two years. Really? (laughs) I'm working like every month. Yeah. And you get, you know, you get your paychecks too. You get, you get some substantial paydays. I'm sure if you're someone like Bridges or Spacey or whoever, who else is just in a new TV show? Oh, Jeremy Piven on like, Master, okay, so I have to, maybe I've already said this, but I do watch Downton Abbey, and I'm sorry. I'm just going to apologize for that right up front. I don't feel there's any need to apologize for that. That's nice of you to say. But Piven is now on some, like, Masterpiece Theater show. So it's almost like doing sort of, like, shitty period piece television is the equivalent of, like, doing Broadway. It's a way to, like, reset your street cred somehow could be and i think clooney started this all didn't he going from er to feature films and it's like well oh shit this guy is like the king of all movies now look how devilishly puppy dog handsome he is but he was on television yeah well that was like a a, a rise though right like he Started out in Facts of Life and Attack of the Killer Tomatoes as we've, or Return of the mm-hmm. Killer Tomatoes mm-hmm. more accurately mm-hmm. as we've previously discussed. Yes, yes. And it, and it was maybe a jump to go from being a leading man on television in ER to a leading man in the movies. Total jump. Is a jump. But he never did that reverse. Like he's not, not at least not that I think of, right? He doesn't come with like, oh, the critically acclaimed show from the creator of Arrested Development. George Clooney is. The ambassador, or something like that, right? Like the way you might see. Because that's where he came from. He can't go back. Yeah. You Although know? more and more, I mean, that's what we're saying. Right? Kevin Spacey in House of Cards. But Spacey didn't start out. Like, he didn't get his stardom from television. Right. He got well, his stardom I, from movies. Like, maybe he started in TV, but that's not where he got his stardom from. Well, and also Cows of Cards also has the uh, David Fincher pedigree there. So, also. right, two filmic overlaps there. Yeah, so it is much more like a a film. Yeah, and like True Detective with uh, McConaughey and Harrelson. Yes. I don't know the writer-director. I haven't heard that name before, but... Yeah, I know. don't know the name, I think but... I think like those two guys bring enough weight to the project that, you know... You could just yes. have a good director and not need the name behind it, probably. Well, what's good, what's what's groundbreaking about the writer-director, though, is that it is the same writer and director for the entire series. So you go to House of Cards, like the first two episodes are directed by David Fincher, and the rest is just like other people. Right. He gets it going. He gets it going. Pushes it but, down you know, the hill, and then other people hop on. Yeah, and it's also just kind of too grueling, because like one episode is in pre-production, while another one's in production, while another one's in post-production. Like, that, that you know, it's just like, yeah, it's kind of like a machine. Like, all right, get the p- different people set up to write the different episodes, and, do, you know, it's kind of almost like an assembly line at some point. It's, it's a Where, maddening process. It yeah. really is. Where, whereas True Detective... 
is like it is like maybe the first like auteur television series, right? It is one director, one writer. The entire series was written in one go. Like here it is. Here is the screenplay for the series. All 800 pages or whatever, boom, on the desk. You know this for a fact? I've written it all. That is how it was written? Yes. Wow. And then it's like the one, all right, we're going to make this, and here's the director. And it's in essence an eight-hour-long movie. So there's only eight it's, episodes? Yeah, there. I believe there are eight episodes total. Shit. And that's it. That kind of blows. I mean, it's awesome, but it kind of blows because I'm halfway through then. Yeah. But you also know it's not going to get to that point where it's like, eh. this show was really good two years ago, but now it's like, right. oh, Woody Harrelson is like, you know, <laughs> he's, he's abducted out. by aliens. Or and, no, he, he takes a motorcycle ride out into the country and winds up like singing into a microphone with two teenage girls in a falsetto voice. It's never going to turn into that. Right. It's like, well, we solved the mystery, but now there's a new mystery. Now two people are dead. It's <laughs> oh, a double murder. Geez. The stakes are up for you guys. James, who cut your balls off? Why are you singing falsetto? What, what is happening right now? Are your mics plugged in? What's happening? I, I can't bear that. I can't bear that. That little era, Brad. James Hurley. Ugh. So well, they awful. did the singing. They had a precedent for that singing. They did the singing in the High Point era, too. And it was kind of weird then, but somehow excusable because it wasn't... They were grieving. ...near constant, and it was surrounded by other awesome stuff. It somehow worked into the series. They were the bereaved at that point, so you, you yeah. forgive a lot. Ugh. All right, we can actually talk about the movie now, probably. Yes. If you want Well, to. did we have some revisits? Um, revisits. I felt like we had a revisit. There was some, some new shit had come to light about this ongoing argument about Maud's apartment. Hmm. Well? I believe someone sent us in a clip from the screenplay. Oh. Which described it as Maud's... Oh, I think that was... I think I just sent that in, actually. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> I thought that was our good friend, the Reverend, that sent that in. I hope it was, but I think I did it. I th I'm pretty... I think oh. that he... He's the only reason I had the screenplay, but I think I went and looked at it to say, okay. okay. So I might have misunderstood the whole dynamic there. I think so. I shouldn't well, have still, said anything, but it, this is the it's, yeah. That's the only reason I had the screenplay accessible. Is the good Reverend did send it to us. Yes, but so I, this is the episode for shoutouts. We've called out Christine, Christine the Playbill, and regular Christine. Regular Christine. She, yes, she drinks Christine her Metamucil. Just, just Christine. Every morning, it's got some fiber. But and. Uh, uh, now we can shout out to the Reverend. Oh, the Reverend he, should always get shout outs. Yeah, if he's still out there, hopefully. Hopefully so. We haven't done enough. We um we're we're just we're not very good. Anyway. Yeah. Well if you would like a shout out on the show, it, you the listener, not you Adam. Okay, you're not talking to I me. I shout right out now. to you every single time. But constantly, if you, you're constantly shouting out to me. Out there in internet land. Out there right now, listening to us. Internet. 
Maybe you have headphones on. Are soft voices entering into your skull? Like waves crashing onto the beach. You're not really listening. It's just comfort noise. If you would like to be shouted out towards on this show, head over to Gutterballs TV. Click the contact link. Make sure you put Let a us know. Put a dot in thinking. there somewhere. Gutter.ballsTV. Wait, that's not right. Gut. Don't make it more difficult for the poor people. <laughs> Gut dot turballs TV. <laughs> Goo dot turb. <laughs> well, you did say HTTP. Gutter balls t- but if they put in gutterballs TV, they're not going to get anything. No. I, I, did, I didn't say the dot. Why no, you didn't. You should have. Gutterballs TV. TV. Let me see. Hit enter. Oh, did you mean gutterballs? Okay, it's the first thing. All right, fuck you then. All right, that's gutterballs. fine. Gutterballs.tv. You could say Gutterballs TV, apparently, and it's or okay. Or Gutterballs TV might work, too. I just did it. It does work. Google is smarter than us. Google Gutterballs Lebowski. Deepcast, you'll probably get there, too. In fact, even if you just do Gutterballs, I think if you just do Gutterballs, we're like number four Gutterballs. Yeah, we're 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 we got a little bit of uh, uh we, SEO going. We keep falling down. One, two, three, four, five, six. We're six down there now. See, on my Google, I wear the number four. So mm, interesting. Well, you're probably well. There's now a new thing up in the search. What's that? Results here. What's that? Plotdigger.com. Plot. Oh, that's the first one. They're independent horror and grindhouse films of Ryan Nicholson. I think he's the guy that made Gutterballs. He is. You know, wait, it, the horror... This fucking guy is stealing our thunder. <clears throat> Dead Nude Girls. BFM, Big Fucking Monster. Now, that's a compelling title. Big Fucking Monster. That's Bleeding Lady slash Star Vehicle. Everybody steals shit from These me. Are... That's the title of my autobiography, for God's sakes. BFM? Mm-hmm. Well, not anymore. Uh, I could claim copyright on that. I'm not gonna, though. I'm bigger than that. You always forget Josh Brolin's in Goonies, you know? There's another one. It's like Dom Herrera's in The Big Lebowski. What? Josh Brolin is in yeah. Goonies. As brand. As brand. Is that correct? Yes. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Not Brad, but brand. Maybe that's where I got that from. And Jeff Cohen is in it as Chunk. Mm Mm-hmm. Any relation? It's got an H. Ooh, maybe not. Or did you mean to the um, candy bar from the mid-80s? No. Okay. I just meant to the brothers. The brothers Cohen. Sure. Corey Feldman. Oh, of course. Yeah, uh, the Corys. I don't want to, I guess, who cares? At this point, it's a disaster. But Corey Feldman, I promised I wouldn't talk about this. You know what I'm going to say already, talking about Corey Feldman. What that is going to bring me to. The Lost Boys? No, the thing I promised I wouldn't talk about. Corey Feldman. Reminds me of the person I said I wasn't going to talk about. In that he seems like a lost soul. 
Oh, I see who you're talking about. Yeah, let, we, we, I'll just cut it off there. We'll cut it off there. Cut it off there. Yep. Okay, enough of Lebowski. that. Lebowski. Lebowski. Why not? So, yeah. I mean, you said revisits. Actually, the, I guess we don't have revisits. I guess not. We, well, we had the one revisit. The script says... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something about her home. <laughs> That's not good enough. I think we should have actual... The actual, the actual quote. Well, probably. Come on. This is terrible. What the hell, man? What was it? It was like... But it wasn't like... we Fucking amateurs. <laughs> it wasn't like... We enter Maud's home. It was more like we enter the living area. It wasn't it wasn't a hundred percent explicit like this is Maud's home, but it there was an implication that we're in the living area of a greater residence. Yes. Right? And that that, that, was, that, was, that the, was an implication. That was an implication. The and I'm working against myself, but what I'm saying is like you can't, you still can't be hundred percent certain whether this is her home or not. You just can't be. Here's what it said. Our, oh, you we have are moving it. through the open living area of a large downtown LA loft. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing about that is, it's right downtown. So that loft, as like cavernous as it is, probably costs as much as the mansion out in the hills. So even somebody as wealthy as Maud, are they going to have like two or three, th- three or four million dollar homes? Or like a, like a two million dollar, two and a half million dollar workspace and then a three million dollar home i mean unless you're billy joel that fuck you're not gonna have that they're not riding around on their down easter alexa through long island sound all the time like they got money but not that kind of money i'll give it to you that it's her home thank you that's all i ever wanted was a little just a just a little reassurance I relent. Okay. See, to me, it was enough that the giant-ass hood was over the stove there. Like, if you're going to invest that kind of money in a kick-ass range hood over your stove, then that's your home. But, all right, you needed a little extra persuasion. You needed some, some sexual persuasion, and you got it. So you, you've given up on that one. You're, you're coming around. N- not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah, I think I've come around. Okay. Ha. Sweet, sweet vindication. <laughs> I'm a, not a sore winner. Uh, thank you. I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> With, uh, there was other revisits, but I can't make any sense of them, because they're just text that I can <laughs> copied and pasted from the last episode and I put them in the wrong section and this is what they say well no I think okay the first one makes sense call out listener contributions yes which I think I actually wrote that okay 
Dick Rod Johnson Bones Clams. That was supposed to be a revisit. So th- that's referring to, I believe, the fact, and I don't know there's much to say except how she does say, like, you know, bones or clams or whatever you call them. Right. And that kind of echoes how she's like... The beaver picture? Is Dick or Rod or Johnson. She likes to think of synonyms for words. Right, right. Yeah, and there's... I think that's what it was. There was something weird about... I guess I started to, like, tease around this idea last episode, but... She should have more nicknames for vagina, but she only does one nickname for it. She does beaver. But shouldn't she keep this motif going for vagina? She does it once. Like, shouldn't that open the the the, the vagina floodgates, so to speak? I mean, she has a penchant for like coming out with all these these synonyms. These sort of anecdote, not anecdotal. What do you call that? Um, something in the parlance of our times. Uh, I'm I'm a stupid person. What do you call that? Not uh, slang. Slang, for God's sake. Slang. All, all these slang. Slang. Listen to that word for a second. Slang. Slang. It's like a monkey shit in its hand. Careful. It's my slanging hand. But she only has one slang term for vagina. Beaver. Well, she only gets a chance. Well, she makes chances. You know? That's the thing. Like, when you're into something, you you make it happen. You make a chance for it to happen. I guess that... She makes her own luck. Well, that's... That's... Yes. Of course she does. That's why she's swinging from the ceiling splattering paint everywhere and which is still on the dude's face as he leaves the apartment although is it on his face in the limo that's a good question i do believe it is gone i i do believe you are correct so maybe um maybe dom herrera lets him know cuz he's looking at him Tony. You never know. He goes, he uses the uh, the facilities. The John. The, the turlet. As he's waiting for the limo or something. Notices it. Wipes it off more. Yeah. I like to think Tone, Tone looks in the mirror and says, You got something on your face, Mr. L. Yeah. And he wipes it off with like, he just rubs it on the back of the seat. Oh. Although at this point, isn't it dry? Oh, it's probably oil paint. Yeah. It never oh, dries. No. One time I was helping to move a virtually invaluable piece of art. So I was friends with a painter. I mean, I'm still friends with the guy. He's a painter in Florida, Brad. He paints these incredibly intricate and historically accurate murals like wall-sized murals they'll be like 10 or 12 feet tall and 16 feet wide if you if you roll through the 
Tampa International Airport, you might see some of these things hanging around. And I went, we were doing a little story on him, and I went there, and he has a studio. It's not like Maud's studio, which is actually her home. He has a separate studio, but it's not nearly as big. It's not cavernous like this. It doesn't have, like, giant gaping doors that you can just, like, drive dump trucks through. It's got a regular door, basically. It might be a double door, but it's a regular door. It's a man door, it's a, if you It's will. a man door. So now he's got, like, a 12-foot-tall painting that is inside his studio. Then he paints it. Now this painting has to be moved from the studio out into a, some sort of vehicle down the street, down the highway, into the airport. So how do you get the painting out of the studio, Brad? Don't leave me in suspense. Well, I, I wanted you to hazard a guess so I could tell you how wrong you were. You, you pick it up and carry it. The door is only like seven feet tall. The painting's 12 feet tall. Right, right. You bend it. Damn you, you fuck. <laughs> you bend it. God damn it. Think about that, though. I thought you were going to say, it's in pieces, and then you reassemble the pieces. But you can't, because it's no. canvas stretched over the thing. You bend it. Well, what is the canvas stretched over? Like a wooden frame. Like you bend the wooden frame? The wooden frame is hinged in the middle. Okay. But the, like even the process of creating a canvas to make a mural this large is like requires a guy who has spent his entire life stretching canvases over wooden frames. That's all he does. So you go to this guy to have him like find the right canvas from, like, Turkey or wherever, have it shipped over here just so, stretch it over this special wood that he has created into this thing. He's got all these little blowers and dryers and special staples just to create the canvas. And then he's got to add the extra wrinkle of, like, little hinges. He's like, well, I'm going to paint this here, but then it's got to go through a doorway and go to the airport. So then he's got to make it even extra special. <sighs> Went and shot the story. It's oil paint now. I'm getting... I do have a point here. It's oil paint. It's beautiful. And it's, it's, it's these uh, scenes of, like, water and, and ocean life and, and palm trees and just... Uh, vast expanses of beaches with with powdery white sands, beautiful stuff. <laughs> and I went to help move the painting, but I just I just fucking grabbed it by the edge. Oh, here I'll help. I grabbed the edge of it. It's like <laughs> I fucking had oil. <laughs> like I rubbed some of the paint off onto my hand. And I kind of like pretended, wait, no, here, we got guys who'll do that. And I pretended like I didn't just rub some of the amazing 
artistry right. off of the canvas. So somewhere in the Tampa airport, you can go find a painting, and if you look with the right kind of eyes, you could see a smudge on a side where there sh shouldn't be a smudge. So my, <laughs> my point is, like, they let it dry for two weeks, and it was still fucking wet. I just figured it would be dry. Like, this paint is still wet on his head. So if he does wipe it off on the back of Dom Herrera's seat, like, there's going to be an oil stain, an oil painting stain on the back of that limo for the rest of its service life. You, like, grabbed onto the painting and then looked at your hand, and there was, like, a perfect... Oh, my God. Like, there was like a image of a Native American right. on the palm of your hand or something. Right. And I never, I haven't washed... I'll take a picture of my hand. I haven't washed it since. I still have that beautiful Native American there. Sacagawea. How you doing? No, I washed it. I just... Actually just wiped it off on my pants. And I threw the pants away so nobody would see them. Sometimes that's how beautiful things die. Not... With a bang, but with a whimper. You know? So we were talking about slang earlier. Slang. There's some weird slang. I can't make sense minute. of any of this slang. We were, I tried to make some notes here, and you were making other notes. We were in like a well, note battle. Uh, so, so I, the closed I know when you clear again. your throat like that. <clears throat> Like you're really thinking about something yeah, for real. I know. I, that's how you know I'm. I'm really getting. I'm into ready, it. man. Yes, go. The closed captioning. Oh, says, see, you always get me with this. Yeah, see, that's the trick. Damn it! Although sometimes the closed captioning is wrong. So one, there's a couple things in here. Sends you on a wild goose chase sometimes, doesn't it? I'm not sure what it. So. Yeah. My agates. My wife's a pain in right? She's always busting my friggin' agates. Which I thought was haggots. But you're saying it's agates. Well, in the closed captioning, it's A-G-A-T-E-S. Huh. Agates. Agates. Now, I always thought... Agates is French for agates. Even though I knew it wasn't right, I would have haggis in my mind when I watch this movie. Busting my friggin' haggis. That's what I always thought. Busting my haggis. Because that's the only word that I have that kind of fits into it's that. A Scottish dish. Yes, it's guts yeah, exactly. and intestines and shit. So if you do maybe some shit if they haven't cleaned it out too well for busting. So first, I just searched for agates. Well, yeah, look, I see this link, and it's like there's skulls and bones and minerals and rocks. This is not. Oh, busting my rocks. Oh, okay, maybe rocks. So All yeah, right. agate. You have this agate, a microcrystalline variety of silica, chiefly. Stuff that I can't even pronounce. But in essence, yeah, it's like this, rock, this thing, right? Mm. And then I searched for busting my agates, right? And I get a bunch of references to the Big Lebowski. Sure. Of like, course. that's it. Like, this only exists in the Big Lebowski as far as the internet's concerned. Mm. Now, there is. Now they do, there is a usingenglish.com message board where they ask about this. And they in essence say, yeah, it means like busting my balls. I mean, that's what we get. We just want to know the etymology of it, right? Yeah, so but agates. And they don't really go into it, right? Like where is that going from? 
What does he refer to as agates? And someone says, I suppose agates means family jewels, i.e. testicles. They suppose. Yeah. So I searched... I don't know. I was going to say, we got to be careful, and I don't give a shit. I searched Haggit, because that's what I thought he was saying. Haggit. H-A-G-G-I-T. Always busting my friggin' Haggits. And Urban Dictionary, which is where I get most of my knowledge, says a term used instead of faggot, but F-A-G-G-I-T, to describe one's sexual preference in the presence of quote-unquote faggots in order to disguise that what's really being said is the word faggot. I... That doesn't that seem doesn't make like, any sense, though. Like that's not much of a disguise. No, John was at Gay Day repeatedly yelling "Haggit" at the guys. That's stupid. They're like, yeah. So I didn't. Sometimes like that. the Urban Dictionary, the Urban Dictionary, it has its purpose, but sometimes some weird stuff get in there. Sometimes yeah. it's completely erroneous. So that's stupid. So, so then I searched. Where did I find this? So somewhere, um. Haggit, there was a sort of a transitive thing that went to stack. Oh no, he Domerera says, does he say stack? Oh, his daughter's nope, but somehow it went to stack. And stack, or sea stack, is a geological landform consisting of a steep and often vertical column or columns of rock in the sea near a coast formed by erosion, which, as you can imagine, is a giant column. So it's, it's protruding up phallically. So it's busting my haggots. My stack. Busting my stack. So I, That's even more of a stretch than just... Ag agate or agate. I don't know. Agate is how you pronounce That's it. That's the best. Well, and then there was also haggis, H A G G I S, not to be confused with intestines, which I couldn't really make too much sense of this. And again, this is Urban Dictionary, but haggis, the conspiracy lives on. And it's all these old timey quotes. They tell ye that the haggis be we chopped up stuff. Stuffed into a bladder with pepper and spices, but you don't know the truth. The haggis is a wee wild animal. It's terrible. Yeah, if it is, let's say haggis, and it was a miss, um, captioning, because that definitely happens without a doubt. Well, they're just trying to do the best they can. Yeah, if I do busting my haggis, there's very little results to that. Somebody knows. Bustin' my friggin' haggis? Nothing. Agates. Bustin' my agates. That's the only... But the, you know why you get results there? It's because that's what the closed captioning says. No, exactly. No, no, I, I agree. You're in, a circular, a, you're in circular logic territory here. Well, and there's only... Again, there's only... And there's not that many links to it either. Because, again, like as you mentioned, Dom Herrera is like the forgotten character. Right. Like, you don't really quote this guy all the time, no. the way you quote Brant or the titular Lebowski or Walter or Donnie or the dude. Although, I do, probably one of my top five quotes from this movie is, I got a rash, man. 
which is prompted by Dom Herrera. I always say yeah. that. I've I've never said that one. Uh, well, I don't say it because it's true or anything. Of course, I don't have any rashes. I just think it's so, funny. So well, I think so. So Dom's. <laughs> You can't catch it through the microphone. It's okay. Dom's next sentence. So she, he, she's always busting my friggin' agates. My daughter's this is married where I gave to up. a something loser bastard. I, uh, Jagru, uh, this is where I gave up even trying to spell these things. What did the subtitles say? It doesn't even say it. It just says my daughter's married to a loser bastard. So even this is how I tried to spell it. This is so embarrassing. I can't well, believe I'm gonna say it. J A D R U L E. Like a four year old would try to spell it. <laughs> to drool. I mean, I just imagine it's some kind of weird ethnic slur that only people from Damarera's generation know, and only like comedians from Damarera's well, only generation know because they're all into like the ethnically motivated humor that's not really exactly. And it's it's not only comedians, and it's not only comedians from Damarera's generation, but it's comedians from Damarera's like certain part of wherever the fuck he grew up, whether it was like a couple of blocks in New York where, you know, there was a higher concentration of people from a certain part of, I, I'm assuming he's Italian, you know, and there was like a little part in New York where he grew up where there was those people, or maybe he was actually from like a, like a micro-regional place in Italy. It's like we have all different kinds of words for the same things. I was on a shoot not too long ago, and I have always referred to, and this is totally off off base here, but when you have light, light that you put onto somebody's face, it's called a key light. It's the key light. It's the main light, I guess, right? And then you want some, so that's on mainly one side of a person's face. Like, I'm looking at the dude in the car right now. Mm -hmm. He's got one key light, actually. But then if you were going to, like, make it a little more dramatic, you'd move that one over. That's the key light. It's the main light. You'd have a fill light coming in from the other side. Not quite as bright. It's just filling in a little bit. And then the light behind him would be the backlight. Other people call the backlight the hair light. But I was on a shoot, and some guy was like... Hey, let's be careful not to block off the greaser. I knew intuitively what he meant, but it's like, huh, greaser. Imagine that. A hair light or backlight calls it a greaser. He was from 2,000 miles away from where I am from. So you move around and you're from different places you just have different terms for things. Even simple things, like that's a pretty esoteric example, but like even simple things, the whole pop and soda yes. and Coke deal, you know, sometimes in certain parts of the country, you just order a Coke, kind of Coke you want. Oh, 
a Sprite Coke. <laughs> you yeah. know? We have Sprite Coke, root beer Coke. Exactly. Shrimp grits, shrimp po' boys, shrimp etouffee, shrimp gumbo, shrimp stew. So I looked up the Lebowski script online. Oh, goodness. If this can be trusted. Well, you should have already had that up since you referenced it not so long ago. I should have. I was just counting on you to have that up since you brought it to my attention. But I'm going to blame that all on the reverend. Every bit of it. So this script, this Big Lebowski script that is online in Google Docs. Which we can't be sure if that's reverse engineered or an actual script, but... Well, I mean, we, it we, doesn't match up, but yes, it could have be maybe like they, they tried see, to... Uh, we did have a little back and forth about this, and I would say if it's reverse engineered, it would match up. That's, that's to me, what lends it a little bit of credibility, is that it does not, in yeah. fact, match up exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. Unless... They they're tr- they knew that that's what we'd say, so they introduced little errors. That takes a lot of friggin' haggis to do that. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so here, so in the script, however, there's no reference to either of these mystery words. It says, so the driver. So he says, my son can't hold a job, my daughter's married to a fucking loser, and I got a rash on my ass so bad I can't hardly sit down. But you know me, I can't complain. I just got incredibly frightened because I think it's entirely possible that Dom Herrera is the only one surviving on this planet who knows what those words mean. Outside of, like, maybe four other people who we've never heard of and we will never hear of. We need to send him an email or a tweet or something. If anybody knows Dom Herrera, can you please enlighten us? Because this is the kind of stuff, Brad. If you know Dom Herrera, please send help. <laughs> please send him a post-it in an envelope with a cry for help. But this is the kind of shit, Brad, that when he's gone, will be lost forever. Like tears in rain. You know that. It's a it's a thing you got to think about it all your memories Brad all of the all of the information you have it'll be gone It's disposable I treat it all as disposable Ah uh, well maybe you're fancier than me but you assume that there's there's sort of the shared bucket of knowledge but like 90% of that is in your own skull which will just dissipate and just evaporate like smoke. We need to find out Agus and Jadrul. Otherwise, we'll never know. How old is this guy? I got him up here. How old is he? He's going to be dead soon, right? 1948. I mean, getting up to 70. P.S. Off was only, what, 48? The time is now. Pietzhoff probably didn't know what those words were. Well, he probably never watched this movie. If I had to guess. Well, he says that he actually did. Oh. That he's seen it. 
he he referenced in that Rolling Stone article, in that Rolling Stone interview about Lebowski on its 20th anniversary. He did say he referenced the you know that the movie does have some sort of enduring quality, and when he finds it on TV, he's flipping through and the movie's on. He just gets sucked in and ends up watching it. That's um. There's something compelling about it, huh. and about these characters and the whole mindset of the dude abides. Which, Just like us. Yeah, well, which he was never able to do, I guess. He's always searching for that that um that mindset, that 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 worldview, that existence. Well, he abided, he abided his addiction. The ad- Sorry to say. The addiction bided him, man. I guess we could talk about I don't know. I there's a you know how you know Jesus, right? You ever heard of Jesus? Um the not the Jesus religious figure, not the Jesus, just Jesus the Jesus just Re, just Jesus, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I've heard of him. He's he has to have a qualifier. Well, I guess he has a different qualifier. Hmm. Yeah, I prefer thinking of him as just Jesus. You're right. It's better. He, you ever hear about when he, now this this cat was a big time partier. You know this, right? This fucking cat loved a party. It's like everybody for hundreds of miles around the Sea of Galilee was like, "Oh shit, man! You're having a wedding. You're having a party." Gotta invite that dude. Like, epic, epic partier. Just kick ass. He could regale you with stories of, well, you know, heaven and earth and hell and his heavenly father and, like, do some miracles. And he's like a, like the most kick ass magician you've ever seen. Like, I'm not making this up. He actually was, like, kick-ass partier. Like, renowned partier. They had him... He he got invited to a wedding. And then, like, you know, weddings back then in the Middle East, they would last for, like, a fucking week or something. Like, forever. It was just a party. You'd party for, like, seven days straight. Everybody's drunk out of their gourd slamming around and they wake up get all drunk again like just mind-boggling mind-boggling debauchery and he'd get invited to these because he was just you know a party animal one of these that he got invited to they ran out of fucking wine you've heard this story i've heard it but i haven't ever been I've never heard it with this. Well, that's that's the only reason. This this panache. Well, that's the only reason he was at the party to begin with. He didn't show up like some sort of like, oh, patron saint of like, I'll make more wine for you. No, he was there getting smashed out of his gourd. (laughs) And it's like, he wakes up, you know, and it's like everybody starts drinking. And all of a sudden, like, holy shit, all these giant, like, 
camel skins of wine we had are all empty. Did we really drink like 46 gallons of wine in the last three days? Yeah, I think we did. But then there's water, you know, they're in the desert, so like they have water. And he turns the camel or goat skins of water into wine. That was the big thing. Oh, he turns water into wine, right? But he's only there because he's fucking partying it up. Anyway, blammo, blammo, blammo. It's like sometimes it's like it's good to be the king, you know? Sometimes it's good to be the fucking king because you can like, well, nobody's looking. It's like toot, 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 toot. Oh, hey, we have more wine. That's awesome. The dude's got a little bit of the Jesus in him, which I find exceptionally curious because if you look at, it's like the really only interesting thing I had about this whole minute that I could comprehend. If you look at 4835 and you look at the dude's drink, it's down to like halfway. Even 4830, you know, he's like, he's sucking on this thing, right? It's halfway gone. Now look at 4846. Let's see where the drink is now. Ba-boom! Oh, there it is. Almost full. Almost full. And then when he gets out of the car, even. You see him walking around. 4850. It gets up out of there. 4852. He holds it up out of there. So it's full. It's magically full. The dude has a little bit of the Jesus in him. And when I say well, the Jesus, that, uh... I mean just Jesus. Yeah. Well, he has, he has a little bit of that Jesus look, too. He does. Especially when he gets out of that car. Like the wind's blowing his long hair and he has the whole beard thing going. Like it definitely kind of taps into that uh, stereotypical view of Jesus. Right. Jesus the white guy, not Jesus the Middle Eastern historical Almost man. Swiss looking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, see, so. Well, we've lost all of our evangelical fundamentalist Christian listeners. But. Yes. But you were able to put your uh, Christian schooling to good use. I, I, I learned... Recounting that story there. with such... They didn't have this, quite the same context when they told it to us, but... Now, that would be something. I wonder if, you know, obviously you went to school before Big Lebowski was created, but perhaps yes. now they actually show the Big Lebowski <laughs> to the students for all of the... Christian lessons embedded within. Do they edit? Not the least of which is the metaphor. Now, do they edit out the scenes with the Jesus as that might be misconstrued as the Antichrist or maybe construed as the Antichrist? See, I thought you were going to say, do they get the clean flicks version without all the curse words? Is that a thing, clean flicks? I don't know if it still is. It was. Was that like a streaming service from not too long ago? It was a longer than that. It was like a. Uh, it was actually just a video. I think it was just a video store. I don't know if they ever branched out like Netflix, like you could actually get the discs sent to you. Um, but this was definitely before streaming was a big thing. This was probably like early two thousands. And yeah, there was a video store, and they would take the popular movies, but then clean them, so you could get them and watch them and not be offended. So is that edit out the curse words, edit out the nudity and sex scenes? Well, did they edit tone them down out? the violence, or did they like, okay, like here's the movie, or did they composite like you know 
obviously photoshopped like pitch black quasi brassiers onto the breasts during the sex scenes. Cause I, I saw, I don't know if it was like, I don't know where I saw this. It was just on regular television. It's not like we went to clean flicks and rented it, but I remember like if it was, if it was a movie that had a lot of like sex scenes with boobs bouncing all over the place, like sometimes they would like rotoscope fake bras. Yes, I've seen women. that. I think that was a, maybe a trend for a little while. Maybe it still is. Again, like I mentioned, I don't watch television anymore, but I remember seeing. I that. only watch boob centric television. Like if I'm going to watch television, it's going to have boobs. So. But then you watch, you pick the channel that rotoscopes the clothes back onto them. That was so. in the 80s, man. You saw that in the 80s? 80s or early 90s. Yeah, it's like, you know... I saw that. No, you were watching, like, Goodfellas or something, and there's a scene where there's a stripper, like, on a pole, like, there's my boob. But it's, like, 8 o'clock, you know? And you're watching it, and all the cuss words are either, like, silenced or they've overdubbed it. And then, like, there's a woman, a topless woman, and you've seen this movie, the regular movie, you know there's boobs in it, you're waiting to see the boobs, and all of a sudden it's like, wait, what the fuck is this? And television, network television, and then there's like a rotoscoped bra over the boobs, where they're well, they're trying I, to pass off as like a part of the movie. It's terrible. Yeah, I've seen. Well, I've definitely seen going back to the '80s where they will have maybe an alternate cut. I've right? yeah, so maybe yeah, yeah, they yeah filmed yeah. it twice. Sure, I've seen that, and it's like there's literally some clothing on them. It's like now wait yeah. a second, I know that's not how it went down. I'm talking yeah. about like clearly digital. That's what I meant by like, like so black. Like, like it. I, right. I just remember it was like a black bra, but the black had no texture. It had no contrast. It was like clearly just a digital thing that they tried to like animate to yeah. like go up and no. down in, in the same way that the juggling boobs were right. going up and down. Right. No, exactly. I've seen the. Well, I saw two things come to mind. First is the movie Showgirls. Right. Oh, that may have been it. Which has pervasive nudity. So that was yeah. 90s then. They decided to show that. Um, although what I saw, I don't think they added bras onto the people. I think they just kind of like added kind of like a white blur. No. Because you couldn't cut out. The nudity was in that movie is just pervasive. Right. Like, it's every single shot. So it's like, and I'm not sure where they decided, you know, we, we're going to show this movie on TBS. But I guess, you know, there was some money to be made selling this to TBS. Like, look, we, here's the appropriate version. We widened out all the breasts. We clean picked it. Yeah. There was an, another movie. Joss Whedon might know the answer to this, but the, was it? Yeah, the First time I ever remember seeing that rotoscope thing, and I haven't seen that too much, and I thought it really blew my mind when I first saw it. It was in a movie. There was a movie Total with... Recall. I wasn't going to say that. Mm. This was much later. This was a Kevin Bacon movie. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Where um... he... There was something like a... Uh, Oh, shit. Multiple lives or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he... But anyway, there's a scene. The woman is in, like, the bathroom, and she's getting undressed to get into the tub or something, and they 
added in yeah that exactly that thing just like the digital black outline of a bra onto her no it really was straps and everything like if you kind of like leave your eyes kind of defocused you would think it was really a bra but if you really just look at it it's like no it's they made a solid in photoshop or after effects a solid and then just sort of cut it out very sharply in the vague shape of a bra and just put it there and then just motion tracked it to follow the body there was no thought to any texture or lighting or anything like it wasn't meant to blend into the scene it was meant to be at like casual first pass like maybe like oh wait what but not like what the hell it was just like if you were really looking like oh wait what the fuck was that but yeah like you said if you were just kind of like eyes sort of glazing over and you know you're looking over at your dog there your dad on his car cell phone sticking up out of his roof like maybe you don't notice but if you actually look at it it's like what the hell is that how do we get on that what are we what are we we're talking about boobs bras rotoscoping we're talking about showing the big lebowski in the christian school and would it be the clean flicks oh, clean version? flicks yes clean flicks that's right I seem to know something about that. And it was in the news because the movie directors were suing, saying you cannot like destroy the artistic integrity of our film. Because you know what makes art, Brad? Discover this one neat trick, this one weird tip. <laughs> right. <laughs> you texted this to me. I did. Did you make that up or did you hear that somewhere? Well, that's the thing you always see. Well, on I know the, you on always the... see it, but did you put it in that context? I put in that context on my own. That was a, say it. Learn how to make art with this one with this one weird trick. <laughs> What's the one weird trick? Nudity. 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 So I can understand those directors being pissed. It's like you're taking the nudity out. All of a sudden, it's not art anymore. It's just shit. Which, you could take all the nudity out of the Big Lebowski, and it wouldn't matter. No, because its its artisticness stands on its own. It does. Unlike some other people that I guess we are just not going to talk about. No, we're not going to talk about that. Good, good. Those people. I, I keep, like, pushing it, but I just, I really, I kind of want to make sure you don't want to talk about it, because I don't. No, I'm fine. I'm not going right. to talk about it. No, okay. no way. Good, good. No way. Doesn't deserve it. Doesn't deserve our time or effort. Uh, shit. Let me, uh, what else we got here? Um, we got dreams and movies we've seen. I watched Escape from New York, and I just, I don't want to say too much. I like that movie. I rewatched it a couple weeks ago. That's a good movie. I like that movie. It's that John Carpenter, right? Escape from New York? I believe so, yes. I mean, I, I saw that like a long time ago, 1983 or something, whenever it came out on VHS. Um, 81, sorry, 81. So I probably did see it in 83. Um, good movie. So, but think about this for a second. Do you remember the, I guess you could call it a sequel, Escape from L.A.? Do you remember yes. that movie coming yes, out? I do. Steve Buscemi, our buddy Donnie, is in it. Do you remember that? 
No, I don't remember that. Yes. I mean... Buscemi's in it. And it's the thing... Like, it was a terribly crappy movie. But the thing that took me out of that movie the most was a shot, like... The special effects were so bad, but it was a shot, like, looking up into a helicopter as, like, the helicopter's taking off, and maybe it's leaving Snake Plissken behind or something, and Buscemi's there, and, like, he's looking down and going, ha, 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 and it was just so bad, like, it was so poorly acted, and I remember thinking when we went to see this, because I think we saw it in the theater, I'm like, Oh, Buscemi's in it. I probably pronounced it Buscemi or Buscemi at that point. But, oh, he's in it. Well, he was in Reservoir Dogs, and he was awesome. It's probably going to be okay. Maybe the movie has some hope. And he was the reason why it sucked so bad. Besides just general suckiness, like, that was the main thing that stuck out as, like, the worst acting in the movie. So there's number one. Number two is... I just watched the, I don't even know, the fantastical Mr. Wonderstone, Burt Wonderstone, what is that? The wonderful, what is it? Something like that. I know what you mean. Steve Carell is a... Mesmeric Mr. Wonderstone, Burt Wonderstone. Yeah. Burt Wonderstone's Fraggle Rock extravaganza. The Incredible incredible Burt Wonderstone. There it is. Buscemi's in that. Yes. And he's also terrible in that. Well, it's just a terrible movie. I don't know how much you can blame him for that. It is a terrible movie, but but Jim Carrey and Steve Carell have funny, legitimately funny moments in that movie. Buscemi doesn't have any funny... Like, he's the weak link. Besides it being a terrible movie, terribly written, terribly directed, all of that... Carell and Carrie actually have good moments in the female lead, whatever her name, I don't know her. She's fine, but like Buscemi actually brings you out of the movie more than you already are by his bad acting. Like, I get the feeling like he needs a lot of help or something. And I'm judging that off of Escape from L.A. and the phantasmagorical Burt Wonderstone, but... Well, you know what I think of Steve Buscemi when I think of odd roles for him? When you say think... Buscemi, do you mean Buscemi? Yes. Steven? Steven Stephen P. Buscemi. Buscemi? Okay, okay. Odd roles, yes, go. Airheads. Oh. Adam Sandler, right? Um, yeah, Adam Sandler, I don't know if I Brendan was... Fraser, oh, and right. Steve Buscemi are like the three... Metalhead rockers that want to like, you know, break into the business. So they like, you know, take like a radio station hostage and try to get it to play their demo or whatever. Boy, I don't know if I ever saw. I mean, I know of it. It's like a really just kind of forgettable, stupid comedy from the 90s. And it's just a weird thing that he's in it. Again, like Burt Wonderstone in this like comedic role. And I can't really say... If he's funny or not, like, I just don't really care for the movie. Mm. But it's also, it's just weird. Well, has he ever been in a funny movie that was good? Besides The Big Lebowski, where he doesn't really play a funny role? Like, there's nothing funny about his character. 
Oh, I don't know. I think his character is intensely comedic. I don't think so. I think he he's just natural. I mean, he was also in those Adams. He was in a lot of Adam Sandler movies. Now that I think about it, like what? He was in that one where I think it's Billy Madison. See, I'm not a big Adam Sandler fan, but it's like there's a clip that's kind of I would I don't know that's burned into my head because I haven't really seen the movie, but this clip gets played from time to time. Like people will link to it on the internet and stuff like that, like on YouTube where. Billy Madison, Adam Sandler has to is like calling up his old like grade school classmates and apologizing to them for being such a dick. Right. And then he calls up the one guy who's like the I guess the the nerd, the guy that got beat up the most or whatever, and like apologizes to him and that's Steve Buscemi and he's just like, "Oh, well, thanks for calling me. That that means a lot. Thanks. For, okay, you know, it just seems like, you know, it's like he's kind of like, well, whatever. And then hangs up the phone, and then you see the longer, sh- the wider shot, and, like, he's in his bedroom, like, and he's, like, wearing, like, a pink tutu and has an assault rifle and all this stuff. It's a comedic scene. Okay, it's a comedic scene, but he's not, like, a featured right. part of a comedic movie. I'm going to... I've been scrolling through his IMDb page here, and I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I don't think that Steve Buscemi is a very good actor. Not on the, I, not on the uh, level of somebody like P.S. Hoff is. And now well, what's going to happen is tomorrow we're going to wake up and we'll find out that Buscemi has overdosed on heroin. And then all we're going to read about is how he is the the second best, or maybe the first best actor of our entire generation. Just look at his IMDb. Look at all these movies he's been in. I don't think he's a very good actor. I think he's great at dramas, but I don't think that his repertoire extends past that. If you think about his great roles, Fargo... Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. uh, what, Monsters, Inc., where he doesn't actually have to have his face on the screen, but he's great in that as the voice actor for, uh, what's his, uh, that crazy lizard thing? Boggs or something. All of his great shit. Even Donnie, like, Donnie's not a comedic role. Donnie is just there to, like, he's the straight man, basically, in that scenario. He's a great dramatic actor. Right. And that's where um, PS Ghost off. World is another movie I think we need to shout out. Why how so? Just cuz he's in that and it's kind of a a nice movie. It's a nice movie. It's not a comedy. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's com- oh, comedic. See. Although he's in The Sopranos and he's I think uh, he's pretty damn good in that, you know, but In Reservoir Dogs his character, right? He's funny, but he's is also comedic. Yes, but he's killing people and he's angry. It's a dramatic movie. It's a dramatic but he's movie. His, but his, but he's also the comic relief. To, I don't want to say relief isn't the right word. There's a lot of. I see. I think that is the right comedy word, to his performance. I'm actually agreeing. I think that is the right word because that movie did need some relief 
of how I remember laying on the floor after watching that movie, feeling totally drained. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. And just like, I had to roll over and just lay there like, ugh. But the little moments, the little pressure relief valve was always Buscemi. So, yeah. But again, it, it's, not a, it's not a comedic role. P.S. Hoff in Boogie Nights, that's a comedic role. P.S. Hoff in Along Came Polly, that's a comedic role. Along Came Polly, I'm going to say yes, because I haven't seen it, and that's just a straight-up comedy movie, I believe. And, but P.S. Hoff in Boogie Nights, okay, like all a right, funny right, right, role, right, right, right. but also right, a fine. serious, dramatic fine, role, fine, too. Fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. That's the More like the Mr. Pink role, sure, maybe. Sure, I'll give you that. I agree, I agree. But he also had the, um, oh, I just sharded, which I never remember what it is, but he could do anything and, and sell it, you know. And Bashemi, he can't sell everything. Sometimes he sucks bad. Hate to say it, because I love the guy, but sometimes he sucks real bad. I feel like some there's some actors who... I'm going to make a sports reference now, which you're going to love, but oh, we're going to lose the other 30% of our seven people. But the Cowboys won two Super Bowls in the 90s back-to-back, and then their coach left, Jimmy Johnson. Now, the equivalent would be the director leaving. And now you get a shitty director that comes in. Skip a year, 95. Shitty director comes in. It's Barry Switzer. Cowboys won the Super Bowl anyway, and the going meme is like, the Cowboys won the Super Bowl despite the coaching. And I feel like P.S. Hoff is the kind of actor who could make a role fantastic and memorable despite perhaps the shitty directing he's getting. And I don't think Buscemi's on that level where if it's maybe a subpar script and he oh, I made a mistake, I chose the wrong script, and then you get a shitty director on top of it, he's not good enough to overcome that. He'll just sort of, like, blend into it and be shitty. That's what I'm saying. You're just laying down all the truth right now. The unvarnished truth. The unvarnished truth. If he's got a great script and competent to above-competent directing, he's going to nail it. But if those things are lacking, I don't think he's a good enough actor to pull himself above that mediocrity. That's what I'm saying, Brad. And that's that's nothing to like be ashamed of because I think like 97.5% of actors and actresses out there are the same way. Like, uh, you know, Edward from Twilight and that crazy-ass Uma Thurman and Christina Re- whatever the fuck that was right, called. It's right. like, well, I've seen them do okay. Uma Thurman in particular. I've seen them do good before, but this is awful. And in particular, the thing that's jumping out to me is their performance. Yeah. I think uh, we've talked about this so much, but I'll just bring it up again. I think the classic example is uh, George Lucas. And the Star Wars prequels, specifically like Natalie Portman. Right, Natalie Portman. What's her excuse? Who is a good actress. Yes. 
You ever see that in those movies? No. Horrible. Ewan McGregor, very good actor. Very good actor. Liam Neeson. Ugh. The worst. But like horrible. Jeez. Samuel L. Jackson, oh, good actor. Man. They are what he did to the raw material of those actors of that cast is so criminal. It's almost something to be respected. Like the power that he has. Like there's power for good and there's power for evil. Like he is a manifestation of the force in many ways. Like you can use your incredible powers for good or evil. And like he really uses them for evil. The amount of destruction he was able to 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 spew out on the world is mind-boggling. How you could bring like that 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 who's who of actors and actresses, how you could bring them all to their knees. <laughs> Right. Like that. Like here, yeah, here is a script with the most horrible dialogue that's like impossible to actually say and deliver. Okay, now you have to deliver this dialogue while standing on this tiny three foot by one foot platform on a green screen and you're not allowed to move, removing any kind of like kineticism or you know, dynamic movement at or all interaction. from your performance. Yeah. It was like a torture chamber for these actors. It was. And you're rel- you have one, you have, it's like being on, uh, are you smarter than a fifth grader or who wants to be a millionaire? You have one lifeline, one, your one singular lifeline is you can say, Hey George, what about dot, dot, dot? That's your one lifeline. You get to ask George a question. <laughs> what do you think he had to say to anybody? Shit. Obviously, shit. That's what he had to say. You're the actor. Make it up. Oh, Jesus. We don't want to get started on Star Wars. No. I'm looking at a, no. a thumbnail of Fargo on this um, Steve Buscemi page. He's known for Reservoir Dogs, Monsters, Inc., Big Lebowski, and Fargo. I love this Fargo cover, though. It's like this stitched, embroidered like blanket or something of the dead guy in the snow. Friggin' great. I guess he's sort of the comedic relief in that movie, too. Even though it's not funny. Well, we're not going mean, to... He plays the little Weasley characters that are kind of comedic, but also horrible at the same time. Did we ever talk about why everybody's telling him to shut the fuck up in The Big Lebowski so much? Did we ever talk about that? I can't remember. I don't know if we did. So in Fargo, his character is just talking all the time. Non-stop. Blah, 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 blah. And so there's two things at play here, but the main thing about the shut the fuck up is a, a response, because it was his follow-up role, as far as the Coens were concerned, to Fargo, where he was non-stop blabbing. So in Big Lebowski, they were just like, we're just going to, 
have everybody tell him to shut the fuck up all the time. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Response to his blathering character in Fargo. And then also there was a period of like four movies where the Coens decided to kill Buscemi, Buscemi's character in each movie. In each movie, but then like the um the method of his demise would result in smaller and smaller packages of remains in each movie. And I forget how it went. I mean, I know there was wood, there's heart attack. See, heart attack. Well, he gets cremated. But then, so there's wood chipper. And then, like, I don't even remember the rest of them. I just remember, like, it was something, and then wood chipper, and then something else, and then cremation, which was, and then eventually he was just dust. The smaller and smaller vessels that could contain his remains. That's all I got for that. But I don't know if we ever talked about that either. Yeah, I don't, I've heard that somewhere. Yeah. It, it may, they may have referenced that in our textbook that you didn't read, that you bought and never read, but uh, I read. So, better than you in that way. And we're not going to get to any of these these um, dreams or movies besides the one we've already talked about. I have some dreams, Brad. My dreams are terrible, so I don't mind that we don't talk about them. Yeah. Well, we're running at a certain level yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Any other, any other must-haves here? I don't think so. I mean, I'll just give one more shout-out. Give another shout-out. It's the shout-out episode. Which is a shout-out to just the dude's gross jellied legs uh. once again on full display <laughs> in this minute. I don't think we can let it pass no. without just referencing it. Here Good he is one. again with his ridiculous shorts, his leg up on the seat, legs spread. Hair, hair sticking out everywhere. I swear I'm going to see a little salami or some spaghetti yeah. poke out of there, and it's like, please don't. The jelly shoes the whole thing and those are is just his shoes you know it's just something to behold yeah and there he is in the in the limo leg spread you know full foot up crotch on shot, the cloth one... seat and this is a cloth seated limo and the, yeah. the shoe is up on the jellied shoe is up on there yeah. he's like and even like adjusts himself like lifts his whole like butt everything like up in the air like repositioning himself just again stretching out yeah just no shame this man I also wanted to mention now that you're bringing me back to this that this scene in the car like especially like 4814 so Dom Herrera's driving down the road like this is a wide road no traffic it's like four lanes Speed limit's at least 45, maybe 50. But shooting a scene like this, he's going like 25. And it's hard, it's kind of like the moon illusion where you don't really notice it unless you force yourself to notice it. Once you force yourself to notice it, 
if you were really looking out these windows, the bushes and the trees and the light posts would be zipping by. So to sort of retard that motion, you have to drive slower. And he's going like 20, 25. If he's even driving, it might be on a some sort of tow truck or something, but this car is going like 25 at the most, where they should be going 45 or 50. But if they were going 50, it would look like the Millennium Falcon hitting, you know, light speed going into hyperdrive. Right. Just want to point it out. Something to remember next time you're shooting a movie in a car, especially, which we, they don't have to worry about in this scene, but if you're shooting, like, there's a driver and a passenger and you're shooting directly out the window, you got to go even slower, because otherwise it'll just be a blur back there. Like, it'll almost be dizzying, the effect that would have on the viewer thinking how fast the car is going. So I wanted to point that out. And I can't imagine how difficult it is to light this scene also, but it's probably being towed, this car. So they... well, it's being like, because you see it, I mean, it's being pushed or something, right? Well, it's probably being pushed and then towed depending on how they're shooting it. Yeah, exactly. Or they're just, it's a green screen, but it doesn't really look like that to me. Like sometimes they'll they'll just composite the background in. But I, I get the feeling like this is shot in a car. But that's a It's the way they turn and everything. I mean, I guess it's hard to say, you know, it could be Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems very it, they're shooting in this car as it's moving around, but I, I he's not driving. You know, they're yeah. they're moving it around. Yeah. He needs to focus on acting. Right. That's right. But the does this limo have the dirtiest windows in Los Angeles, or is it just me? Yeah, I was just noticing that as I was looking at the, trying to determine if it's green screen or not. It's crazy. I mean, that's, even even the back window where the dude is, like, there's fingerprints and shit all over it. Like, Jesus, Maud, spare no expense, huh? You got the creepiest limo service in Los Angeles, which would place it high on the run and for creepiest worldwide, I might add. Well, do you think that was intentional somehow? But why? What's the why? Because, well, in the back, I don't know. Because the back, the window is kind of tinted. In the front, it's not. I was going to say it adds some layering. Like, you can actually tell. Like, if the window was too clean, you couldn't even tell there's a window there. Mm -hmm. And it might just be confusing. Like, why is he driving with no windshield? Just in the open air. Yeah, yeah. If it didn't have some kind of texture to it. I can totally get behind that, except in the back, like, there's obviously fingerprints. Like, it might even be a paw print, like a, like a puma was, like, stood up and put its right. paw on the window. There. You could see it. There's three, like, do do do. If those were fingerprints, there'd be five, but it almost looks like a cat paw, like a giant cat. So, I mean, to me, it kind of just looks like a like a human hand, like a human hand, and it's kind of the five fingerprints. Granted, there's just, I guess there's like, no, you can see, because like, so there's a bottom of the palm. Right as it turns, right as Dom is turning into the street, where he's going to let the dude off, like the way the light goes, you can see it. Like, it, to me, it looks pretty much like a, a human hand print. 
Uh, I do see the little extra bit there. Okay, sure. I, I'm i going to contend that it's an ocelot, but... But still, why is it all there? Right. When the Coens are so controlling? Because you could just... You can see, like, the rest of it where there isn't all the shit. It's just kind of, like, blurred. It's almost like they rubbed some Vaseline just to give it some texture. Or you could, like, put just a thin smear of, like, oil or Vaseline and then, like, dust it. Just, like, phew. Put a little dust there, just to mute it a little bit, so you have that texture. But to put all these handprints and shit all over it seems kind of weird. Do you know what it seems like? It seems like they shot this after the dude has had his encounter. He gets out of the car, and then the guy comes and grabs him, uh, and his hand goes on the window. And they had put like Vaseline on it, and then they shot this afterwards. But they didn't have time to wipe all of the Vaseline off and re-Vaseline the whole thing. And there was a little handprint there. And they said, eh, fuck it. That's what it looks like to me. Could be. I Man, I was wondering if it's something like, I don't know. You can tell me if this is complete bullshit or not. I'm just theorizing. But they didn't know that like that, that stuff was showing up. Like you, They couldn't necessarily, maybe when they were there recording, like they filming they couldn't see it like it's something when like you said how it's hard to light mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's some artifact of the light shining on it and the way it showed up on film and then after they were you know looked at the dailies they're like oh shit look at all how dirty that is no, well wow. no, it's very possible it's very possible because you're looking at you know in 1998 you're looking at a little video feed that's just like kind of routing off of the film camera and that is by no means like today you're Basically seeing exactly what you're going to get at all times. You can just literally look at it while it's being shot. And that wasn't the case. And is not the case even now when movies are shot on film. So that could very well be. Maybe they didn't notice it. But it could be they didn't notice it. The reason it's there, though, is because they shot this out of order. I don't know. And, yeah. and what, I mean, even though in the next minute, like I looked ahead and it's not like the dude ever really touches there. Anyone. Yeah. But he may have touched it, I mean, it in a different take. You know? Yeah. So I was going to say, yeah, it could be a different take. And the other thing is when he opens the door and we're shooting from above the car and he gets out, the window is down. They probably then no, or I don't know, noticed it. Who knows how they shot this. But the window is down because there's two sections to the window and there's a tiny little section. Remember how cars used to have two sections to windows? Especially the like the drivers and passenger side front windows would have that little front part, little triangle that you yeah. could like angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the main part would roll down. It's almost like this back door has a little tiny area and then a main area. And the main areas can be rolled down. It looks like that's rolled down. 4851, you can see right through it. It's clear. It's not affecting the light. And then there's a little side area that's like tinted and blue. Which I'm not sure why. It's definitely down. But when he's inside the car, those are equally tinted. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. When he gets out, it's down. Like they saw that and it's like, well, that's too distracting if it's blue like that. So roll it down. Or they just, again, it was like an oversight. It's like, no one's going to notice. The dude is waiting in the car. It's hot. The car is off. It's hot. They're, have, they're talking to him, like giving him direction or whatever. Roll down the window. Oops. And then, 
Yeah. We'll never notice. Again. We're on this side. It's something you never really notice. Unless you are crazy like us doing this podcast. I'm totally buying into that theory. I think it's it's an oversight. It's one of those things. All right. We we said we were going to call it 10 minutes ago. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's time. Uh, for not having anything to say, we sure didn't say a lot. So thanks. Thank you, Mr. Seth. Always brings a song into my heart I'm gonna be I'm gonna be singing the songs of the Old Testament all night long now thanks that'll add to my my dreams where I'm dying which are the best I've ever had so I see the stars shining in the sky as I recline on the next time on gutter Hey, careful, man. There's a beverage here, huh?